was what? Words are urgent. God poured everything out. And we wait. We question. And we wonder. And I do the same. And He gave beyond everything. But we hold on. And we refuse to let go. Mocking him. For what he did. And lying to ourselves about what we're doing. Where's our urgency? To get on our face. To trust. To deny the world. To deny the flesh. To put it aside. No matter what. To wage war on sin. But we play games. And we even play church. Today, Wesley's right. Is that it's just been a storm. And you know you can't sit and whine that God, why am I in this storm? Because 99.9% of the time, you make the storm. And I make the storm. And then we shake our fist at God and say, why is this storm here? And even when it comes from God, and He always He always allows what comes into your life, whether it be by your own sin or whatever it may be. But God is always doing what he's doing so that he might be seen, so that he might be evident, and so that he might be proclaimed to the nations and to the lost and to the dying and to the weary. Because he is life and he is energy. He is progress. He is success. He is life. And so every time in the storm we see him walking on the water. We see him being sought out because we're afraid. We see him being cried out to. We see him being looked at for answers. And so in my own life, you know, this morning I'm just, I'm exhausted. You know, I'm tired. I've got so much on my plate. And, you know, I, I look and I see that this morning I just feel like, you know, shouldn't be up here. But even in that, I find myself whining, you know, thinking about myself instead of thinking about Christ. What he just spoke to me and just overwhelmed me is that, you know, it is in those times when you're weak, it is in those times when you are stressed out, it is in those times when you are beat down, when you are exhausted, even when you've done it to yourself, that I'm going to magnify and glorify my name, and I will be proclaimed. I will be lifted up. I will be acknowledged. I will seek out my kingdom, and I will build up my children. 
And sometimes the way that I do it is bringing the storm because that's the only way sometimes we'll see some faith. You thank God for those storms. We pray that we can thank God for those storms. This message this morning is entitled, You Are What You Believe. And the original question I asked you when I stepped onto the stage, where is the urgency? Where is the desire? Where is the drive? Where is the motivation? As Wesley would put it, I had no idea he was going to say that. But the question is, is that how can we be so excited or devastated about a football game and not be excited or devastated about our relationship with Jesus Christ? And forgive me if I'm a little rough on this point, but it comes right back at me. It steps on my toes. But we have to get our mind right. We have to start believing rightly. We have to get out of this crazy world, this insane world, where we are more excited about things like football than we we are about God Almighty and what He's doing in our lives. How? You say, how? Brandon, I want to be that way, but I can't help it. When Gamecocks lose, I'm sad. And I'm a Gamecock fan. And I hate to see them lose. Sometimes I scream at the TV, What are you doing? You just ran that play. It didn't even work. Why run it again? But to get devastated over a football game is really insane. Because that's got nothing to do with you. There might be about five in here that even went to South Carolina or Florida or Clemson or anywhere else. You don't even have a tie. You got a Gamecock jersey. You got a Clemson jersey. Thank you on the team. My boys won. My boys lost. You know, the way that we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that we could be affected by Him to that degree is not that complicated. It's not that complicated. If you want to get to a place with Jesus Christ where you are affected by Him in that kind of way, it's not that complicated. Let me tell you how. Let's pray for that. Jesus, I pray for our ears, mine included. I pray for our hearts, mine included. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would do your work, that you would open minds, that you would open eyes, that you would open hearts this morning, even those who say that they are believers, even though those who say that they are workers, even those of us who would say that we are preachers and proclaimers of the gospel, because the bottom line is that we are human beings and we all need to take a step in our belief in our love, in our devotion, in our understanding of Jesus Christ, of your Son. So I pray that you would do a work in us, that you would go before the Father with groanings too deep for understanding, God, that we would be changed this morning and we wouldn't even know how it happened except God done it. And God, I don't care if we've been going to church 40 years, 
50 years or a year or six months. I don't care, God. I pray that you would do a work in us that would refresh us, that would renew us, that wouldn't just get us excited, but it would get us motivated and determined and on a mission, a mission that cannot be stamped out or put aside, but that we would be willing to die for it. God, please come. I'm begging you to please come. I'm begging you to please show me your glory. I'm begging you to please break me down, break my heart. God, I am proclaiming in front of all of these people that if I need to go through a storm to get more of you, then bring on the storm. It's such a scary thing to say. But I say bring on the storm if it means I get more of you. Because I don't need to be happy and chipper and content. I need you. I need you. So I invite whatever may come, as long as I can have you, and you will hold me up in it. I pray that my friends are ever kind. I pray that they have encouragement and trust in you. Help us this morning. We are all frail. I told you that if you want to be affected by Jesus Christ in such a way that you get excited and that you get overwhelmed with his glory, with his presence, it's not that complicated. The bottom line is, is that you are what you believe. You are a product of the way that you think. Your actions are a product of the way that you think. The way that you walk, the way that you walk and the places you walk they come about by what your eyes see and your brain processes. You act out of what you believe. So I want to I share with you three things today that if you will just think about this for a second. And listen, please don't think that we come in here just to have a good time and, and just to have some awesome music. The band does awesome and we worship, but we worship so that we can get closer to God. We preach and we teach so that we can better understand God. And we don't do that just so that we can say we're a church. We do that so that we can equip you and empower you and train you to go out into the world and to be Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. This cannot, must not, will not stop in this building, but it will continue out there, and that's why we'll grow. That's why God will be glorified, magnified, and he will spread, and the kingdom will explode and it'll start right here in Landrum, South Carolina, and it will pursue. Because we will not stop here. We cannot stop here. So let's turn our minds on. Let's get into the Word of God, and let's be transformed in here so that it will show out here and out there. You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. This is God's word. Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that, it, that accords with godliness, he is puffed up 
with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we've brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Three truths out of this scripture that if you will understand these and implement these into your life, you will be a better and more powerful warrior and soldier for Jesus Christ. Do you think in those terms? You see, before I can even teach this, I've got to get your mind, Christ has got to get your mind switched from being an observer. Switch to being an inhaler to a doer. Don't just be hearers of God's word. Be doers of God's word. Do you know and understand that the reason that we are here this morning is to empower you, to equip you, to train you, to turn then and go back out there and be a force in the world to be reckoned with for Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Say amen if you understand that. This is not just for here. And I've said that here before already today and I know but I'm telling you I'm stressing it's not just for here but it is for us to go out there in order to be used by God we can't be idle we can't be sitting still we have to be moving and proclaiming and progressing for Jesus Christ and being used by him number one if you believe then you act if you believe then you act. The scripture says, Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. The bottom line is when we when we start to, to read these scriptures and we start to hear things like this, it's absurd to us. Is I mean, is it to you? What he's saying here is, is that those of you who are slaves, those of you who are indentured servant, you belong to someone else. You have been bought. You have you have placed yourself under the ownership of someone else. You don't have your freedom like you've always had it. You don't. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You are under a yoke as a slave, but I want you to be fulfilled and feel empty. I want you not to just be okay with it, but I want you to be a blessing to your master. I want you to be uh, lifting them up and, and praying for them. I want you to be building them up and encouraging them. You are not to... To hate them, you are not to despise them. You are not to even try to get at them and to hurt them emotionally, physically, spiritually. But you are as a slave to build them up. Is this backwards thinking to anyone else? Am I the only one that thinks this is strange? 
How do we cope with this? How do we understand this? Many of you are dealing with the same thing. You're saying, I know I need to belong to Christ. I know I need to do this. I know I need to move in this direction, but I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. It doesn't work with me. How can we understand how we are possibly to build up our owners? That's what these slaves had to be thinking. The first part of this, if you believe you act, is that the way you do life is a result of what you believe. You see, what he's saying, what Paul is saying here is that you have to understand ultimate reality in order to live out a wonderfully great life, a powerful life, an effective life in the worst kinds of circumstances. You see, for someone who is looking right here, right now at the circumstances that they're in, there is no way that they can lift those up who are pushing them down. Because you think that the result that, that, the, that the goal, that the reward is this thing right here. And so when this right here is messed up, when your current situation is messed up, when a door closes at work and your finances go out the window, when your son or daughter turn away from, from what you've tried to pour into them to seek the world, you crumble because that was your identity. That was the reward. That's why you were doing all of this stuff is so that you could have this thing, and now it's fleeting. It's gone. It's out the window. You always wanted to be successful, have a nice house and a nice car, but things aren't going your way. So we suck up, we pout, we put our lip out, and we shake our fist at God. But what God is saying the whole time is, is that, why are you so angry? Why are you so upset? Why are you so devastated? This is fleeting. Let me tell you something right now. If you live your life based on your current situation and circumstances, you may be okay for a little while, but it will end. Is that straightforward enough? If you are living your life based on the circumstances, if you are getting your happiness and your drive and your determination based on your current situation, your current circumstances, it will crumble, you will fall, and you will be devastated. You will. Because there is nothing eternal on this earth. There is nothing that will last except for Jesus Christ. Your actions are determined by what you believe. And a lot of us, a lot of us, proclaim with our mouth to believe in Jesus Christ and to know Him, but our actions prove otherwise. Because what God has said, what Jesus Christ has said on the cross is, it is, if you believe that it is finished, and you believe that you are bought with a price, if you believe that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, neither heights nor depths or anything in between, if you believe that Jesus Christ is victorious over all, that he died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and raised on the third day, defeating death, hell, and Satan, if you believe that, then you cannot be turned down. You cannot be turned away. You cannot be overcome. You cannot be defeated because your victory is not in you and how good you are. It's not in your circumstances, but it's held in the mighty hand of Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? 
we walk around, and I walk around, and I looked at my wife while I go, and I said, I'm so exhausted. It ain't got nothing to do with me. And I can get up here, and I can open my big mouth, and I can get real loud. But if you don't see Jesus, if I don't live in Jesus, then this is all puff, puff, and smoke gone. Jesus. Jesus. We've got to get a hold of Jesus. The way you do life is a result of what you believe. You look at these slaves, and you look at what Paul's telling them. And they're, 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 they're slaves. They're owned by someone else. But Paul is telling them, he says, Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own, their own masters as worthy of all honor. And he's not just talking about other Christian honors. Because he distinguishes those. He says, there are Christian owners, and you need to build them up because they're brothers. But what he's saying is, some of these aren't. And some of them aren't treating their slaves really well. So they're beating them. They're depriving them. They are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they are pressing on them. They're hurting them. They're knocking them down. They're spitting on them. You get over there and you do what you're supposed to do. And he is telling that guy who's just been knocked to the ground, beaten, battered, and bleeding to look at the guy that just did it with all honor. How? How can you, how can you go to work when your boss is something I can't say? Take this job and ship. Now that was country. How can you go to work? How can you go to work and bust your tail and you get after it and you make good decisions? What if your boss is a jerk? What if your boss is a gambler? What if your boss does does bad stuff? How how can you how can you go in there and and work and make money for him and, and make good decisions and, and and be there on time and be there and really get after it even when he's not there? How can you do that when he's such a jerk and when he's so undeserving? You act out of what you believe. And if you believe that your actions are produced by these current situations and circumstances, you never act accordingly. Is this making sense? If you if your act if you believe wrong, it leads to second here, your challenge is not your circumstances, but your understanding of reality. And, and so I want to shift a little bit. You see, we look at we look at Paul talking to these slaves, and we look at Paul talking to these who uh, they don't have good life situations. They don't have, you know, they don't, they're not they're not kings. They're not even they're not even free. They got a lot to whine about. But he's looking at them and, and he's telling them, say, you you consider them worthy of honor. God made them. You you consider this somewhere that you can make progress, somewhere that you can be fulfilled, even when you're smashed and laying on the ground, that you can be fulfilled. You see, this is not a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, because I'm telling you right now that in order for God to be glorified, let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. It's true for me, it's true for you. In order for God to be glorified, some of you will be bruised. Some of you will make money. Some of you will be 
financially successful and you will be able to give a lot and you will be able to, to love God with your worldly success or your financial success. Some of you will be called to do that. But you were created by God and he will use you how he sees fit. And it's all about his name. And if you look at your circumstances and that's where you get your drive and motivation and that's where you get your happiness, then even being used by God sometimes you will be devastated. Because you were created by God. And if God sees fit to glorify himself in you by smashing the clay jar, then that's okay. That's hard preaching right there. What I just told you is, is that God might allow or even bring a storm in order to glorify his name in your life. Paul said it this way. He said, we have this treasure in, in clay pots and in earthen vessels. You see, the thing about putting a jewel, a treasure in a clay pot, and you think about this earthen vessel that was just thrown together with some clay, and it's good enough to hold something, but it's not very pretty at all. If you put a big shiny diamond right in the middle of that thing, does it make the diamond look better? Does it make the diamond look better? It actually does. Because everything around the diamond looks rough. It looks rough. And it's the same thing in your life. When you're feeling defeated and things aren't going your way, when you display the fullness in Christ in those hard situations and those storms, that diamond, that diamond shines brighter than ever has before. People are looking at you. People are looking at you. Your challenge is not with your circumstances, but it's an understanding of reality. You see, when you when you go to work and you, you act out of what you believe, and if your belief is that you are deserving of blessings right here, that you are deserving of of what you should get. If you have a, 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 a thought or a belief of entitlement and you say, I work hard, I should get paid, I should get bonuses, I should get recognized, I should get this, I should get that, then when you don't get those things, then you're you're not apt to work hard. You're not blessing that that, that boss, you're not blessing that institute that you're going to. You're not doing what you need to be doing because your circumstances are not what you think they should be. But if you understand rightly and you understand that your reward is not here, but it is out there and it has already been secured, it has already been put up for you, it has already been taken care of, and it cannot be taken away, then it doesn't matter about your circumstances because reality says that you're okay. Amen? Reality says, I'm not just okay, but I'm blessed. An heir to the throne, baby. You can't take that from me. You can take my help. You can take my money. You can take even my family. But you cannot take God from me. Because he will not be taken. I had a discussion with some people the other day. We were talking about once saved, always saved. <laughs> and a little bit of a debate there. They were thinking, and uh, the language was, is that you can lose your salvation. I'm not going to get into all that. But what I do want you to know is that I believe once you're truly a child of the king, once you're a child of God, I believe you can't take yourself out of God's hands. 
the Bible clearly tells us that what then shall separate us from the love of, love of Christ? Shall troubles, trials, tribulations? Come what may. That's how we go to work getting deep down with the praise of the Lord and having a genuine worship. Because you cannot take a... You see, we, we could get down on ourselves just as easily. You done messed up. You done messed up right now. You done, you done messed up now. Take up your shield. You've, you've just blown it. But you see, oftentimes God looks at us and he says, I did not save you because you had it together. So many people, I, I, I invite them to church and I say, I got some things I got to work on before I can come to church. That's stupid. And if you said that, I'm sorry. But it is. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. When people tell me I got some things to work on, I say, I know the place to work on them. No perfect people allowed here. Jesus Christ is the only one. You see, our challenge is not with our circumstances, but an understanding of reality. When I told you that it's simple, if you want to be moved and excited by Christ and, and, and your life be tied up in Him, then it is a simple matter of what you believe. And I know many people, they talk to me about wanting to be excited and wanting to be more active, but then the simple truth of the matter is, they say, but I just don't feel it. I just don't get it. And I ask them, and we said this time and time and time and time again, but it still seems to not sink in. I say, how much time have you spent getting to know God? How much time have you spent understanding the realities that are found in the Word of God? How much time have you spent getting to know Him? Do you worship outside of this building? Do you get into your Bibles? Do you understand more and more and more every day? Not because you're smart, but because you're on your faith. And when I say on your faith, take it literally. Go home and get your faith on the ground. And you tell Jesus, I am unworthy, I am undeserving, I am unknowing, and I don't know what to do. But I know that you are all worthy, and that you are all knowing, and that you are all powerful. Please show me. In the book of James it says, if you lack wisdom, then you should ask him. It's time for us to just start walking through life and going here and going there. It's time for us to get on our face, child of God. Let's get busy. The second thing is, if you believe wrongly, you die in insanity. You see, the first was, if you believe, you act. We have to get on our face. We have to get in the Bibles. We have to get around other believers continually. We have to be more concerned with the things of God so that our mind can start transitioning out of what the world is telling us because they're lying to you continually all the time bombarding you with false lies and all types of feeling ideas they're trying to rob you away from reality and they're trying to tie you up so that you will not be able to understand rightly we must believe rightly if you believe wrongly you die in insanity look at verses three through four it says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He is puffed up 
with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and a constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. You see, if we don't believe rightly, if we believe wrongly, if we, and I'm not just talking about saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm talking about having your, and let me ask you an honest question, and I have to ask myself this. It's just me and you here, okay? I'm really, I'm no different than you are. Man, I struggled last week. The week before, I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. Can, is, this a, is this a safe place to be honest? Is this a, is this a, a, a okay place to, to not be okay? Last, let's see, week before last, I felt like I was on cloud nine. You know, I was in my Bible every day, and I was worshiping on the on the ride, and I think I told y'all I was in the car, and, and I was playing, I will exalt, I will exalt, and I was screaming to the top of my lungs, hands raised. I looked in the rearview mirror. Both my sons, my two-year-old and my six-year-old, are just got their hands raised up, and I'm praising God, and, and Asher's in the seat. I couldn't see him because he's in the seat, but I was just imagining him, you know, with his little hands up. Even when he cried, I was like, Alex, no, I shouldn't have done that. But then last week came, and last last weekend was Labor Day weekend, and I actually took off, went to the beach, and went down to get some rest. And it was a great vacation. I had a lot of rest, but you know, I didn't read my Bible all that much, and I just I had a I had a rough week spiritually, and and then this last week was like the worst week. I don't know if Satan was just attacking. And then I, I, you know, I go and, and I play some softball on the weekend, and, and the team did good, and we had fun, but I was so exhausted. I came on last night, I was trying to finish up, and I'm thinking, God, I'm, I, I shouldn't even go preach tomorrow. I'm just so unworthy. We all start to tell ourselves things like, if, if I want to say that I should, I, if I want to say I, I shouldn't get up here because I don't have all my, my junk together, then if I'm going to take the blame when it goes bad, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the acknowledgement and the glory when it goes well. Same for you. Don't think that you've got to get everything together so that you can be effective for God. That's not true. That is not true. Now, once Jesus Christ comes into your life and you start getting on your face and you start getting into the Word, He starts to work in your life and your life starts to transform. We have to change the way that we believe. Because when you believe wrongly, you die in insanity. And what he says here is that anyone who doesn't believe rightly, anybody that's teaching something else, anybody that, that is believing some other direction, then you get all puffed up with conceit and you start acting crazy. You start acting crazy. That's what he says. He says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. We really start walking around like idiots. Because if Jesus Christ is true, if he is true, then we live in a certain way. But if we believe wrongly, then we live in another direction, and it's insanity. And what the wrong belief is, is that there is another Jesus. You've got to understand this. It's called a functional Savior. Let me go ahead and tell you, every one of you are worshipers. You are worshipers, continual worshipers, and you will worship. 
what you worship is the question. What you worship is the question. And what you worship and how you and how you go about life will be determined by what you believe about reality. And if Jesus Christ is what you worship and you understand him to be the prize, then your life will look different. Trials can come, but you still maintain that direction and your fulfillment because he never changes. But if we understand wrongly, then our flesh will start to tell us lies and we'll start to believe the lies of the world that if we just have this thing, then we'll be happy. If we just have that thing, then we'll be happy. We start to sell that to everyone else. And I could stand up here and say, listen, God is wanting to bless you financially. If you'll come to him, you'll get lots of money. But that's a lie. And money becomes the God and Jesus is the avenue to get to the money. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not about money. It's not about success. It's not about fame. If you're looking for those things, you've come to the wrong place. It's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ upholds us in success and in devastation. On the, ha on the rooftops, on the mountaintops, and in the valley. He is consistent. When we believe wrongly, we die in insanity and we start believing our own lies. I saw the craziest thing the other day, and this really was the craziest thing. I was on my way back from the beach, and we had stopped at this, I thought it looked like a decent store. I had to use the restroom. Went in and got me something to drink, and I went into the, re to the restroom, and, and you start believing your lies, even your own lies, and you start acting crazy. The next point there, go ahead and put it up. It says, your lives run away with your heart, and the vicious cycle begins. Sin, pleasure, devastation, repeat. Sin, pleasure, devastation, repeat. Sin always leads to insanity. It always leads to craziness. It always leads to devastation because it will build you up. And oh yes, sin is fun for a season. But then the world comes crashing down and everything falls apart and that which you've trusted in so much has left you stranded. It makes you think that you're on cloud nine. You see, Satan doesn't have anything that he's created so he has to to steal away pleasures that God has given you to have and he gives you hints and tastes only to to lure you away to be dropped on your face I went into the restroom at this truck stop and it was the most disgusting restroom I mean I walked in I was like and on the wall was the picture of this what I'm telling you is that our own lives carry us away by our fleshly desires and creating us stupid crazy thoughts that are insane on the wall in this nasty truck stop in the middle of nowhere in the men's bathroom it had a phone number and it said sexy ladies only in the men's bathroom sexy ladies only call this number I was checking the door I don't think there's any sexy ladies coming in this bathroom you ever got so wrapped up in your own desires and your own passions own lust 
that you just start acting insane? That's a legitimate question. Have you ever been doing something and knew that you should be doing something else, but you continue to do that thing? Have you ever been a slave to your desires and you knew you wanted to stop, but you could not stop? You ever been there? I have. You say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I know I should stop. You're believing wrongly. Your actions are telling on you. We need to look in the mirror of life and see what we really believe. Are you truly a believer in Christ or are you dying in insanity? Do you run the rat race? Do you run around in circles thinking, God, I wish my life was different? I wish my life was different only to come right back around and hit it again and do it again. Do you fall in and out of habitual sin? You'll do good for a while, then all of a sudden the sin creeps back in. It looks really good, gives you a wink, and you're sleeping with it again. Cheating on God. Does your sin have a hold of you in such a way that you can't get away? Are you a slave to sin? He's got to start believing rightly. The last is, if you believe rightly, you live in confidence. If you believe rightly, you live in confidence. Look at the Word of God, starting in verse 6. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But if those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You see, if you believe rightly, you live in confidence. You live fulfilled in your understanding. You live fulfilled in your understanding. That's how Paul is able, you see, how does that tie together? That's how Paul is able to look at these slaves and he says, you honor your masters. You live a certain way. You live in one direction and you do not change. No matter what hits you from the left, no matter what hits you from the right, you do not change. How do we do that? We believe in Jesus Christ, who is the author, the pioneer of our faith. He's already tricked out this path in life. He's already cleared the way. He's already chopped the vines out of the way of life. He's already paved the way. He's already taken all the obstacles out of the way. We move through this life following Jesus Christ, and we never look aside. We never turn back. We never, ever, ever get discouraged so that we leave, so that we leave because Jesus Christ is the one that holds us. We will get beat down. We will get discouraged, but not so that we leave. We live fulfilled because Jesus Christ cannot be beaten. He cannot be beaten. There is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. How do in the world do we live our lives so that it's not based on what we have at this present time? It is understanding that Jesus Christ is everything. It is understanding that Jesus Christ is everything. See, until you know that, until you are affected by Him in such a way that He owns you, 
that he has done everything to purchase you, that he has completely overwhelmed and fulfilled you, then we're devastated. The conclusion to the whole sermon is this. Got a couple of questions for you. Let's go to the conclusion. Real question. Do you believe that you are a slave? Do you believe that you are a slave? Say, I'm not a slave. Do you believe that you are a slave? If you say no, then you do not understand reality. If you say no, then you do not understand reality. Because you are a slave. You are a slave one way or another. We are either a slave to righteousness or we are a slave to sin. You do believe that you are a slave and your actions are proof. We've already talked about so many times we want to go one direction. We know what we're doing is wrong, but we want to turn to the right. We want to do the right thing. We want to go this direction. We know it would be good for our families. We know it would be good for us, but we can't. And we feel this tugging on us from each different direction. And the path that you choose, the actions that you take, are the proof to what you really believe. And I say that many of us go home and we look in the mirror, myself included, and we look at ourselves and we say, what do I believe? And let's get real with God. Let's get real with ourselves. You go home and you say, what do I believe? And don't you lie to yourself. Don't you lie to yourself and say, I believe in Jesus with no proof. We do not work to gain a relationship with Jesus Christ. But once we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we work, baby. You can't get away from it. A tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. You go home today. I'm telling you. I'm commanding you by the Lord Jesus Christ. You go home today and you look in the mirror. I will go home today and I will look in the mirror. And I'll say, Brandon Puri, what does your action say about what you believe? Get on your face before God. We're either a slave to sin or we're a slave to righteousness. The only question is who is your master? Who is your master? And you say, I'm a slave to Christ. I don't be a slave. Like Peter in the garden when when he was talking to Jesus and, and he said Peter I'm about to die I'm about to die and Peter says no Lord I'll fight tooth and nail we'll kill them all I, that's a paraphrase but I, I'm going to war with you I'll go to war with you and he looked at Peter and he says before the rooster crows you had denied me three times then when when Pentecost came and when and when Jesus Christ revealed himself in a in a in a new way and the and the belief changed from something physical something right here you see Peter was walking around with Jesus and he did love Jesus but it was just merely this physical relationship right here 
and the Son of God hadn't died and, and, and sent the Holy Spirit in a special way to, to fill them and to empower them. Their minds wasn't right. And so when Peter came to this conclusion that this right here is what it's about, this right here is what it's about, when that right there crumbled and Jesus Christ was arrested and it wasn't going how he thought it should be going, he denied Jesus and walked away. But then, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died in shame. He was put in the tomb and when he raised again, and he showed himself to the disciples, to Peter. And he sent the Holy Spirit in, in, in a new way, in a, in a special way, to empower them. At one time in the scripture it says they were locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews, what they had done to Jesus. And in the very next book, in, in Acts, it, it shows them after Jesus Christ had proclaimed the truth and after they had believed rightly and after they had gotten themselves on their face in front of Jesus Christ and they had had their minds changed, it says that Peter went out to the same Jews and he said, you stiff-necked, those of you who killed God, you spit in his face, and I don't care if you kill me, I'll never turn back. What did they do? They started killing him. Let me tell you something. You want to stand up for Jesus? You want to be a difference maker, do you? Do you want to be a difference maker in this world? Then you've got to get on your face and believe brightly with God. You've got to invite him to impart wisdom to you, because when you see Jesus, and he breathes belief into you, and he gives you faith on faith, then it changes everything, and no longer are you a sin to slavery. I mean, a slave to sin. No longer are you tied and chained to sin and your own fleshly desires, but you are chained to Christ because you want to be there. You, you give yourself to him. You are bought with a price, and it doesn't matter what comes. As we all stand to our feet, I ask you today, are you tired of being a slave to sin? The only way that you can stop being a slave to sin is to believe rightly and give yourself over to be owned by Jesus Christ. To be owned by Jesus is the greatest freedom that you could ever understand. Who's your master? What does your life say about you? It's time for us to stop playing games. It's time for us to be transformed. It's time for us to look at the storms in our lives and say, bring it. God's going to be glorified. Bring it on. God's going to be glorified. And that's enough for me. Is your life telling on you? Is your life telling on you? One way or the other, it is. Whether you're a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. You see, we become slaves to Christ. Then we become friends. Then we become sons. Then we become heirs to the throne. And no one can take that from you. Let Christ be your victory. Come today and lay your sin at the altar. Give it over to Jesus. 
He will take it. He will take it. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Come now. Lay your sins on the altar.